You are listening to Your Universe Reset, unlocking your life during the lockdown. All right, so this is Kenny. This episode took a little bit of a turn that was unexpected. We started off talking about some of the positives that are happening as a result of the pandemic. Sorry, as a result of this pandemic, as a result of the lockdown. It's not all negative. There are some positive things that are happening, and that's what we're focusing on. But then it took an interesting turn, so much so that I almost I hesitated on whether I even wanted to post this particular episode. We actually had a little talk afterwards. I'll put a little excerpt of the talk and then we'll go right into the podcast. And by the way, this excerpt happened right after we recorded. So enjoy. All right. First the excerpt and then we'll go right into the podcast. Take care. Yeah, this really came up, uh, especially this last, this, this one that we just recorded right now. That's just it's really interesting one. <laughs> yeah, and I think and I think it was supposed to go that way because I was about to go in a different direction before it cut out. Okay. And we restarted, which was interesting. So I think oh, yeah. it, I think it was supposed to go that way. Like it was for whoever needed to hear that, somebody needed to hear that. Or maybe it's just because it is a good time because everyone's home with their kids. Like what better time to like sit down and have some real heart to hearts. I've been, uh, and, and by the way, we've started the recording, so. Just so that oh, we you, did? Okay. Yeah, it's already started and running, so. Um, I've been thinking that I'm kind of dropping the ball here. Um, not that my plate isn't really full or isn't, isn't full, but I've been kind of waiting till we get a podcast name before I start uh, getting this thing posted and actually on a podcast platform. Right. And... You know, it's just not like I'm just not following my own advice because I'm always waiting for the right timing or I always say, you don't have to wait for the right timing. Now is the right time, you know, to get things started. If you want to get things started, get started now because just because we don't have a name doesn't mean I can't post it and say the name's going to be coming later. Right. And then, and then backtrack and then change the names afterwards. So I could always do that. And so that's what I'm going to start doing. I'm going to have uh, – I'm going to have something posted with uh, within the next seven days. So that's my promise. Amazing. That's exciting. Yeah. Something. It might not be the best. Actually, I've been looking, I've been, uh, I've been looking at some, what's, what's that called? Um, oh my goodness. Free music. Um, public domain. That's what the word. Oh yeah. Okay. So I was looking at some public domain music. So there's some stuff that we could use for our intros and stuff. And I think I picked out some good stuff. So at least I'm doing that. But once we get this name, uh, you know, um, once we have the name of this podcast, I think I'll feel a lot more comfortable about really uh, our, our, our branding. Right. Yeah. yeah. No, it's, yeah, and you know what? It's not like I've been real in the game either. Just because with my parents, I've been sort of kibosh from all of my all of my plans altogether. Um, so that's yeah. been that's been a whole thing too. So I totally get it. So uh, to our uh, listeners, Jacqueline is going through a little bit of a personal. Uh, the family's going through a scenario here. That's it's it's a stress that's going to turn out really well, but right now it's a stress. Yeah. And so she's It's not really, at this point, it's just sort of the, the work that has to get done and just getting it done. So it's, it's not really in the, 
any emotional panic or anything. It's just, uh, it's just uh, a lot of unforeseen things that have to happen now. So it was just um, sort of getting all that in place. And it's just going to be a little tight for the next two weeks and kind of puts my other things on the back burner which I wasn't expecting. I was kind of laughing today. I'm like, there's so many people walking around bored and I've got like three times the amount of stuff I normally have to do. <laughs> I was like, I can't even get a break in a quarantine. Jeez, come on. You know, I, I'm kind of feeling the same way. It's just that I was, I connected with, uh, with some people and, and they were talking about some TV shows. Then like, I do actually like watch TV. I'm like, I'm still one of those. But I haven't watched it. Like, I, my DVR is just so full. I'm just going to have to cancel some stuff. It's just like, I just can't yeah. I gotta stop watching. Uh, because, I, I don't know, ever since this quarantine, I've been super busy. Just, I just yeah. feel like I always have a project that I need to get done. Yeah. And so. Yeah. yeah. It was funny because I'd looked at, before, I was, like, looking at Netflix. And I was like, oh, look at all these documentaries I haven't seen. This is going to be great. <laughs> I'm like, nope, nope, not getting around to that. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah that's yeah that's uh that's kind of how it works out that's been that's how it's been working out for me actually i remember i had all these i had netflix i actually have dropped it since but i um used to have uh netflix and uh, like all these saved movies and shows got all saved up and i felt like i was just falling behind i was like i, I gotta cancel this i'm just i'm watching yeah. it too much anyway <laughs> so i just this wasn't worth it to me and so um there's with the stresses that's kind of happened with everyone right now, uh, kind of some timing came up of a, uh, it was a Napoleon Hill just came up in my social media feed. It was a Napoleon Hill quote. Uh, I had it ready and now I don't remember what it was. Okay. So this is a quote. Uh, it's from Napoleon Hill. The He wrote the book thinking grow rich. And he said, every adversity, every failure, every heartache carries with it the seed of an equal or greater benefit. And so there's a lot of, you know, thoughts about, you know, how we're very much inconvenienced, how many people are facing some financial hardships, how many people are finding, uh, uh, you know, stresses at home. Of course, people are dying, you know, and they're getting very yeah. sick and dying. But you know, with every heartache, you know, what is the, you know, what are some of the positives that you're seeing out there? Like what's happening? I just think it's amazing the way people are coming together. I mean, it's really, it's, it's really just awesome. Everybody's pitching in, everybody's helping, everybody's doing what they can. People are being really generous. Um, I love watching those. Um, I have a minute. I love watching those videos where people are all yelling from their condo balconies and stuff. And they'll do it like every night at seven. And they're just, you know, banging pots and pans and, and shouting out to all the healthcare workers and um, all of the police force and just everybody's keeping everything going. Um, and, and I think that's great. And, I, and it's really, it's really interesting. I posted a little thing on Facebook the other day. It was just a cute little drawn together, like thank you to like all the different kinds of people and just everybody who, you know, kind of keeps everything going and who we're grateful for. And I, I posted the interesting thing was we, we should have been grateful for these people anyway. <laughs> like they're yeah. the people that make our world go around. So I think we'll come out in like a, a space where we're just more grateful for the basic stuff. Like I've seen people post, like I'm grateful for my fridge because it keeps my food <laughs> while I'm trapped in my home and I can't get out and get more food. And, you know, just like all the little stuff that people generally don't think about. Um, I think they're not just thinking about it now, but they're actually being grateful for it. And it's just never been a bad thing to be grateful for anything. 
So it's, um, I think it's really bringing people together and, and we're just thinking about things differently in the way we run our world. Yeah. And, and I just think that that will be really beneficial. So it's obviously a really tragic time for a lot of people. Um, um, and well, and even the environment and stuff, and you know, like the, the animals are just running around free. They're like, they don't know what's happened. You know, all the animals are chilling out yeah. in suburban areas going, Oh, I can just do this now. I had a fox, like a huge fox chilling in my wow. backyard, eating squirrel at 9am. <laughs> like, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> this is not your prime time. Like, wow, just chilling in your backyard, eh? Yeah, wow. eating a squirrel. And I was like, all right, that, that's cool, man. Wow. That's, that's great. Okay. That's well, that's time, nature. Yeah. At, so we're uh, having breakfast together, I guess, is, <laughs> was the plan. So, uh, you know, that's something. Wow. Interesting. But it's a, total, it's a total upheaval of everything that was, which was good because we were getting super tense and super, <laughs> super stressed and... You know, people are reconnecting and I see a lot of videos. My daughter will bring me videos and stuff of like parents and their kids posting videos together of like talents they have, like they're singing together or families are playing music together. And they weren't doing that before or, or they weren't in some way where they were like, you know, putting it out there for other people to see or, you know, just people are doing a lot of unprecedented things that they wouldn't normally do. And uh, yeah, they're and sharing more of themselves. Right? They're sharing of themselves. They're sharing their life yeah. more and just sharing their talents, you know, and, and not worrying if, if they're good, you know, it's kind of just, yeah. this is what we do, you know, we're, and we're proud yeah. of it. Yeah. Or at least it's fun for us because we're bored, <laughs> you know, Absolutely. and then they realize, oh, you know, what's nice to do things I like, things I like are fun, right? Because people spend a lot of time not doing things that they like. Absolutely. That's true. That's true. And uh, it's kind of an opportunity. Well, we're going in different directions here, but it's an opportunity that, you know, and we've touched about this on past, on past episodes where if you're in a situation where you're either, you know, <clears throat> collecting unemployment, you're, you know, you've been laid off or you're reduced hours or whatever the situation be, this is a situation and, and an opportunity because it seems like you have some time now to figure out what you want to do with life. Yeah. Because many people prior to this would, you know, two weeks before this all kind of hit the fan, they were, you know, they were the type of people that were saying, oh, I don't really like my job or I don't really like my boss, yeah. you know? And so this is an opportunity. Like there's going to be some people that hold on and just dig right in and think, I just got to wait this out till it goes back to normal. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be some people that think, well, I don't know if I want to go back to that normal. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, you know, they speak a lot about the new normal. And I think that that's really just spot on. Everyone's going to have a new normal and it, it's going to be a while. Like it'll still drag out for a bit having to do what we're doing. You know, my daughter realized today, oh, I'm, I'm not going back to school this year, period. Like that's not happening. Yeah. That like, is not ha- I feel yeah. really bad for the graduating classes of you know, especially oh, it's I have two nieces graduating this year and oh you know they're just realizing like they're not even going back to school they were the class of 2020 you know and and oh you know. wow yeah, yeah they're not going back there's no senior prom they're, I mean it's it, it's you know there's all these things that you kind of associate yeah. with and if there's no year. closure to that either you know like everything leads up to your senior year of high school. And yeah. then it's just sort of like they all broke at March break and went, okay, well, we'll see you in a couple weeks. And then they're not going to ever again. Like it's just done for them. High school's over now. Yeah, it's over. <laughs> like, it's over. Yeah. It's just done. The end, you know? 
So I was like, oh, that's just, oh, that's like, that's, oh, that sucks. You know, like it just, it's one of the things you don't necessarily think about, but it's just one of the many things affected, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, it's going to take a while. And, and, you know, that gives us an opportunity, you know, because a lot of us, we're just figuring this out or maybe not figuring it out, but coming to that second realization and enlightened realization that we really have a finite amount of time here. And what are we going to do with mm-hmm. this? Are we just going to like, you know, hang on or are we going to yeah. strive like to do what we want to do? Like what if you came out of this with a life where you're bringing value to people and you're doing what you love mm-hmm. to do? Yeah. And well, even with my, you know, that. even with my, um, with what's going on with my parents, they kind of, they were sitting there going like, do we want to keep doing what we were doing or do we want to shift entirely for what's remaining of our lives? You know, yeah. because we, we have two paths we can take and one is going to be a lot harder than the other. <laughs> right. And the other one, you know, stands to bring us a lot more family time and joy and time with each other. And, you know, and, and so it's a big shuffle, but it's like, no, we just, we got to go in the direction of the thing that's going to make us happier because, we have much time. Do you, nobody knows how much time they have left ever. I really don't. Yeah. I really don't. Yeah. It's interesting. I was walking. Um, I actually had to go out. I had ordered my parents some groceries online and they never came. Oh um, man. And I didn't want them to go out. So um, I went out for them. I get to the grocery store and we're all waiting in line. Like it's, you know, and it's very separate. And I've never had to do that before. That was a little bit interesting. And um, they just let a few of us in at a time and, um, then I was in there and I was, you know, packing up for my mom and some people in her building. And then this guy comes up to me. He's like, you have to leave. You have to get out. And I was like, what? He's like, someone's sick and you have to get out. And I was like, what? And so they like checked me out really quick. And a guy had like thrown up and passed out and, um, wow. they had to like, you know, kind of shut everything down. And it was really good on the people. It was, a, it was like a Metro and, um, it was mostly younger people in there. Like some of them were just outright almost kids and they just, they were handling everything so well. When I came in, I went to wipe down the the card and the ladies like we already disinfected it. Like they're, they were keeping everything really, really clean. They didn't let anyone near where the guy was. Like they, they moved everybody and they took care of it. Um, but it was just like, I was like, this is just the weirdest shopping trip ever. Like <laughs> Normally I run into Metro, I pick up my stuff, I leave. It's like no big deal. Like, this is a really just it's, a, it's, it's like a process now it's like a thing yeah it was, just, it was just interesting i was like this is just it was great that everyone's handling it as well as they were um but it was just it was a little bit it was a little bit strange and then the other thing was so when i was actually walking there there's a little plaza right next to that mall okay. and um it was completely police taped off and there was like over a half dozen cop cars and I had no idea what was going on, but I just, I was like, well, I can't really stick around and look at this because, you know, I don't know when the grocery store closes because they might close early. So I just went and when I came out, they were still there and I saw them walking with, um, you know, the thing that measures the ground. I don't know. Remember what they're called. We used to use them in school. Sometimes the little round things that you yeah, walk and it, and it would click. Right. Yeah. And it would click whatever that thing's called. Yeah, so yeah. I know immediately they're looking for like super evidence of something. This isn't like a medical emergency and they just got their first, like, you know, wow. that could be bullets or something. Anyway, some guy attacked another guy and as far, I didn't check the news today, but he like struck the guy and it like killed him. I don't know how you do that. Maybe he stabbed it. I'm not sure. But that was just like an hour before I went to the grocery store in an otherwise like 
relatively not shady neighborhood or anything. And I was like, this is just the weirdest day. <laughs> like, I just like, I don't even know where I am right now. Like, this wow. Is, yeah. It was like a the, little bit. My goodness. My jaw just like. Yeah. And it was just like all, an hour of my day. And I was just like, this is just so weird. Like, I don't even know. I don't even recognize any of this anymore. It's like, like, I don't even know what you would. I don't know. I guess people are on edge. Because some people are on edge. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm finding that uh, the the people that are kind of normally are on edge, they're like more on edge. And uh, yeah. I do find some people are just really zenning out on this. They're just yeah. They're uh, they're writing it out in a in a productive way. So. Yeah. Well, I saw a meme, I don't know if I mentioned this in an earlier cast, and it just said, introverts help your extrovert friends because they don't know how this works. Like, they're oh, I not haven't okay. heard that one. No, you didn't yeah, bring it they're up like, help you, yeah, okay, yeah, introverts um, help your extrovert friends. They are, they're suffering. They are not okay. Like, <laughs> they don't know how this works. And, and it was true because I can see people that are, like, um, are, are generally very, very extroverted, and they're, they're having a hard time sitting home alone with themselves. Um, and... Uh, somebody asked me or I was laughing at the, the guy who posted he goes oh I would have thought you were an extrovert I'm like well I like people but like you know it was kind of my lifelong dream for the universe to be like no Jackie it's all right you can just sit in your pajamas for a month and I promise no one will knock on your door <laughs> you know <laughs> kind of always waiting for that so yeah so you know my daughter and I we like our alone time so um we're doing pretty well like really honestly we're it's really just in stride for us. Um, but I know that a lot of other people are, or, or if you have like little kids, like, I don't know how people are doing this with like little kids. Like that, that would be something I, yeah. I imagine, you know, I was kind of looking back and, and well, not looking back. I was, I was picturing parents looking back or even children looking back to this time and thinking, depending on the age of these children, it would be like, Oh, this is when I got to spend more mommy and daddy time like yeah. i'm wondering if that's part of like for you know, sure if there's a certain age category it's going to remember this is like wow that was awesome yeah my um a friend of mine i was home with his little two and a half year old and he's like well she's really loving that we're just around all the time <laughs> like, yeah. he's like he's really sucking it up um my friend has um a newborn and she goes i'm at least glad that he's so young that she's like he doesn't care if we go to the park or not yeah <laughs> you know? that's like true. he won't notice i could literally yeah. walk him around the living room and he, he could not, and he could not care any any yeah. two ways about it you know it's like that makes it a little easier he wasn't really up to much anyway yeah with children definitely younger children especially it's uh yeah. or, you know people who are like homeschooling three kids right now or something and you know that was not their bag to begin with i mean i don't even oh, yeah. know if i had to help my kid with her homework i would be so overwhelmed i think at this oh. point because she's so self-sufficient now right like she's just on top of it and i don't have to you know i don't even have to worry about it she said an interesting thing though so apparently they can't um the teachers cannot drop their marks they can raise them, but they can't drop them. That's, it. So that's interesting. Wherever they the that. Yeah. And so what was weird was though, so she, she calls in, they had a, a um, whatever they were using Zoom or Skype call today with the teacher and it's, and the teacher had to inform them of that. She just had to. So when she informed them of, the, of that, she said five kids clicked off immediately. Wow. 
and the, the teacher continued, well, I would still have to call your parents and stuff and let them know, <laughs> you know, but they were already gone. They were like, oh, you can't fail me now? Great. I'm out. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh, dear. <laughs> well, that? that's... Uh, <laughs> yeah, that goes with... Uh, it's. Uh, how do I say this? And this is nothing that, you know, I don't know those kids, I don't know those kids' parents, but you want to raise good kids. Of course you do, right? But you want to yeah. raise good kids that turn into great adults. You know, because if you say, oh, you, you know, as long as you're living underneath my roof, you're going to go by my rules. The problem is, is that when they're out on their own, yeah, they may not have that discipline, you know. No. And, you know, I think it was, um, I think it was Dr. Phil a long time ago. Um, he had said, you're not raising children, you're raising an adult. Oh, okay. And, yeah. uh, and I always liked that line because uh, that made a lot of sense to me. So when my daughter was little, I was always raising an adult. Um, so when we got to uh, some age, it was right before she started high school. So it was probably her last year of um, junior high. And um, I was stressing about her grades. Uh, and I was really only doing that because I, I had quietly in the background gained my, my mom's mentality of like people are looking and they're judging you based on the things that you do, right? Because everything would be like, what would other people think, right? Because that's how she grew up, right? So um so we came by it honestly, but I was just like, oh, you know, your grades are a reflection of how well I'm doing as a parent, right? And I didn't, it wasn't like a conscious thought. It was just like, I didn't realize I was stressing her out about it. Um, and then she got a bad mark in something or a I can't remember it was, if it was an overall grade or a test. And she was like, she was really upset. And so I was explaining to her, you know, well, you're really upset about this mark, right? And she goes, no, I'm upset that you're going to be upset. I don't oh. care. She's like, I don't care about it at all. I just don't want you to be mad about it. And I was just like, oh, we're going to need, that was a rudder kick down. I was like, we need a course correct. I was like, you know what? I said, from now on, I don't care. I go, I don't mean it's not important, but I, I'm not going to say anything about it. I do expect you to do your best. Um, and I just sat down and I gave her a little speech about how it's for her, right? Like it's not, it's really not about me or pleasing me or whatever it is. Her education, a lot of the time, will determine her future, right? And even if not the education, but the dedication she puts into it, it trains her how to be a dedicated person in her life. Um, and really, at the end of the day, she's the one that has to live with the consequences, which was really the point I was trying to, to get across. I just went about it poorly. So we just had a big conversation about that. Um, and then that could have gone two ways because she could have decided, you know, it was a, it was a crapshoot a little bit because she could have just decided, well, if I, if I don't have to care, I'm not going to care. Um, if she'd gone that route, we would have, you know, gone to the tutors earlier and, you know, tried to make it more whatever. I wasn't just going to leave her to do nothing. Um, cause I was like, this doesn't mean you get to just watch YouTube all the time or, or you whatever, but like, you're not getting in trouble anymore or you're not going to hear about it. And I'm not going to, you know, kick your ass about it. Like you gotta, but you have to understand that you're doing it for you. And if you don't do it for you, you're the one who, who gets the unpreferable, <laughs> non-preferable consequences to that. And, and it's not me. I don't live your life. I'm not going to be you when you grow up. I'm not going to be the one not getting into the school I want to go to or not getting the job I want or not having the life I want because I didn't do my homework. Right. So, you know, you kind of have to decide. So for everything that she does, it's sort of like somebody asked me the other day, something about punishments or 
something like that. I'm like, I don't punish my kid. Like there are natural consequences to life and she needs to understand what those things are. It's a little harder when they're smaller. Like you do have to put stuff in place. Um, well, say, it's like, when, do you, when is this line here? Like, well, it's not like a definite age. It's obviously it's different not for each a child. Line because, yeah. It's a malleable line. Very malleable. Cause here's the reality. The you're busy you're really big. The, the line is never punish your children. Like you should never, it just doesn't work. <laughs> um, I'm just playing to the fact that most people will, and they will because they're tired, they're stressed, they're overworked. Um, they're generally not paying attention. So this is the inevitability that you are going to use some sort of, well, you did this. So you, you know, these are that right. Um, also too, I'm a big proponent of no whining. <laughs> I don't, I can't stand children who whine. Uh, so mine certainly wasn't going to, um, and so I had a rule in my house that there was no whining. Um, no. And if you whined, you got the opposite of what you whined for. So if you whined for candy, you didn't get candy. If you whined to go to the park, you didn't go to the park. If you whined for whatever, you just didn't get it. Like whining brought the opposite, con the opposite reaction. So um, you don't have to do that very many times for it to work. Like if they just always know, you just have to be steady about it. You just have to be unwavering about it. If they whine for anything, they don't get it. And that will, that will kick whining instantly, absolutely instantly. Um, and she would even go, she was as young as three, I think. And she would go and stay at my mom's. And if she went to my mom's and whined for stuff, she would get stuff. Mm. So she would whine there. And she literally came home one time and started to whine for something and then looked at me, put her hand to her face and giggled and said, oh, I'm sorry, I forgot where I was. May I please have the whatever? And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> three-year-olds are so much smarter than we give them credit for because she just knew where she was kids do what works yeah. so so yeah. just don't let the things you don't like work that, that's sort of the easiest thing um you don't ever need to punish your children but when they're a little bit smaller sometimes you have to create a little black and white so like i get that and the reality is you're going to mess up anyway like you're just you're like most people like maybe moving forward in our new normal, people will make more time for that. Uh, but the reality of the before everyday parent is that you're working hard. You're really stressed. It's very hard to conscious parently, parent consciously all the time. Um, and there are going to be days where you just turn around and snap at them and tell them to go in a room because you just don't care anymore. <laughs> you know, like it's it, parenting is the hardest damn thing. Um, so you're, you're going to mess up, but you got to forgive yourself and you got to forgive your kids and, and let them know that you make mistakes. That's really important. Like let them yeah. know that you're not perfect and you mess up and apologize a lot. Apologizing goes a long way with you. If you're struggling right now with your kid, this is just a PSA. If you are struggling right now with your kid, go have a heartfelt I'm sorry to them and, and lay yourself out on the. I don't mean tell them all your problems or put stuff on them, but remark in the ways that you know that you've failed as a parent because you will, because we all do it because nobody's perfect. Um, and that you're trying and that you need their help to know how to, how to have a better relationship with them. Just make it active. It's not like something you do in the darkness without them. And then you place it upon them. It's like an active back and forth of how do we negotiate this relationship? Just like you do with everybody else. It's just, you have a little more veto power because <laughs> you're the parent. Well, yeah, you're the one with all the money and you're the one that's probably bigger. Yeah. So if, yeah, you have all yeah. the so, so we don't eat cake for breakfast every night. Every day, yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know, like, so, you know, some things, some things are a rule that they don't get to say, have a say in everything, but they get to have an active say in like how, how they like to be treated. And most people just like to be like, kids are the same as adults. They like to be respected. 
And um, a lot of the time, that's the biggest problem. You look at them as a kid and the, it, like their opinion is not value, valuable or their input on how the relationship goes isn't valuable. You just know better all the time. And generally you don't, to be honest. <laughs> like most individuals know what's best for them on an intuitive level. And children know that, but we kind of beat it out of them. And I don't mean that physically, hopefully. I don't mean that physically. Um, yes. But we kind of, you know, we've kind of just pressed that out of them. And then we teach them not to trust themselves. We teach them to trust other people's judgment. And then they go off with a bunch of friends that have, are equally in that ignorance. And then they go home and do a bunch of stupid stuff. And then we sit here and go, oh, why are kids so stupid? And it's like, well, because you took away their inner guidance system. And then you thrust them out into a world with a bunch of other confused children who had the same thing done to them. So of course they're going to get up to some nonsense. Um, so you really just want to make sure you hone that. That um, I teach my daughter, a large part of, uh, of what I try to teach my daughter is listening to her intuition. That's huge. That, that'll keep her safe. That'll keep her making deci good decisions that she wants to make for herself. Let me you stop know? you just for a moment. Are you playing with a deck of cards or something? Oh, I am. Can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear. So just so for, the, for our listeners, if you're wondering what that noise is, She's playing with a deck of cards. So Sorry, I was shuffling up my cards, catching a vibe. Yeah, just catching that vibe. So that is, uh, you know, there's going to be some listeners here that are thinking, wow, I wish I knew some of this earlier. And, uh, you know, just that uh, that heart-to-heart, -heart, you know, that heart-to-heart -heart with your child. Because there's, there's parts where you knew you screwed up. Yeah. And of course you did, right? Yeah. It's called being human. Right. And so the first step is, you know, being the accountable or no, it's awareness, then being accountable for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Once you're accountable well, for it. Because a lot of times yeah. too, you know, like if you're not, like your kids are watching you, like they don't listen, they watch and they mimic. So if they're watching you just doing that whole, because I said so thing and you're just telling them to do stuff, but then you're doing the opposite, like there's no integrity in that. And so they, and they catch on pretty quick and, and they don't really want to be like, like they're not going to listen to that. If they're watching you behave badly, but telling them to behave well, like that's empty and hollow. Like they're not going to, they're not going to fall for that. Like you have to be the person you want them to be. Like you have to be that role model. Literally. It can't just be like, you're telling them to do stuff and, and then you're behaving poorly and you're like, they're not going to respect you if you don't respect them. Like it's, it's a real easy, what you put out is what you get in. There was one time we went through a, a little phase where like, I'd call my daughter to come for something and she'd go one minute, one minute, one minute. I'm like, damn it, girl, not one minute. Come now. Like I'm calling you. Right. And then I realized every time she called me for anything, I said one minute because I was always busy. So, so she was just doing to me what I was doing to her, not out of spite or whatever. It was just what she learned. Right, like if, well, yeah, she, if she, that was the bar that was set. That's like that's the yeah. norm. It's okay to do that. You know, that's the yeah. that's what she was learning as yeah. a result. So when I see, you know, not, like you know, she'll tell me stuff about her friends, and I'll see the kids acting out, but then I learn about the parents, right? And you realize that the parents are pretty volatile. The parents are um, they drink a lot or they whatever, like whatever it is. And then of course their kid drinks and their kid babes and their kids volatile and their kid, you know, like they're just you know but the thing is they're also like really good kids they just have all of these bad habits so they're actually really great kids underneath but they have parents that they can't connect or relate to because those parents are not um easy to connect with or relatable right and so they don't make themselves available in that way to their kid that would be perfectly good and not have any of those vices if they just had a parent that could sit down and, and be normal and care right so you have to work on yourself. Like 90% of parenting is just being a good person yourself. 
And that's what makes it so hard. It's not like having kids is hard, not just because it's like a real time consumption and energy consumption is because it they are an exact mirror of you and it forces you to be your best self in any given moment all the time and it's exhausting and it's hard to do but like that's why it's so scary because you've got to be the best you all the time and that's exhausting it's, it's a lot of work that's that's pretty profound but it's, it's good work. It's the only work, like, if you're going to have kids, it's the only work worth doing. Like, you know, there's no point in having them just so you can kind of half-ass it all the way. <laughs> just, but people aren't prepared. They think they're raising another human when really they're just having to be a better self and then having, like, a smaller portion of, of that being the raising of the other people. Because, again, they're watching. They're not listening. They don't care what you say. They care what you do. So everyone's worried about saying the right thing and not worrying about doing the right thing. And then they wonder why their kids don't behave. You know, like I had kids that would be in their own house and they'd be absolute terrors in their own house. And they would come to my house and behave so golden their parents didn't even recognize them. But just, I had a few rules, right? When you walked in the door, you knew what the score was. You knew that you'd have fun if you listened and not fun if you didn't. And if you behave really bad, you don't get to come back. So you know, that like in an instant, they're perfect children and they're playing and they're happy and they're good. Right. But then they go home and boundaries are loose and they're not sure what's what. And, you know, I'll hear parents in like stores and stuff and their kids whining over and over and over and over. And they say no a thousand times. And then they give in. I was wow. like, what did you just teach that child? Are you crazy? Are you crazy? Cause that, that is now they know they can go to a hundred and still get a result. So like you're making it harder on yourself by not making it the first time. If it's a no, it's a no. Like it might be hard to do at first, but once you create that habit, you don't have to do it anymore. <laughs> right. Otherwise it's like, you're just teaching them that they can ask 200 times before you give in. They'll just always find your break point. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's, you know, sometimes you, what's that saying? You can't see the forest through the trees. Like when you're in it, you don't, you know, the, well, these people they don't realize what's happening. They, you know, they just don't get it. Um, and sometimes you just need a little bit of a, you know, a realization. You know, it's just because they oh, are stressed. Yeah. You know, it's not. Uh, oh but, yeah. Yeah, it's not this. You know, point the finger at them and you're doing it wrong. No, it's just, no, you know. it's not even about that. It's that you're making it harder on yourself. <laughs> like totally. I fed my daughter. I held my daughter's bottle till she was seven months old. Until I looked over, I was at the mall or something one day, and I saw this five-month-old holding its own bottle, rocking it out, and I just looked at her and, like, let it go, and I was like, what am I doing? Like, you get, you get into the routine and stuff, and you don't even realize that they could be doing things for themselves, or, like, you know, you could be doing something different, like. Yeah, oh, yeah. totally, totally. Yeah. yeah, this isn't coming from a perfect parent. This is like, I struggled and struggled and struggled. And it's not easy either, like holding on to those rules. So like, I have pulled my daughter off a bus and walked us home like five miles in the snow, because she wouldn't sit. And it was too dangerous. And I was like, if you can't behave on the bus, we don't get to take the bus. And she doesn't remember that day. But she never acted up on a bus again, because she knew I'd pull her. Um, I've dragged her out of the science center because she ran away where I couldn't find her. Wow. And I dragged her out of there in tears. And I was like, we don't go places if you run. Like, if you go somewhere, because, like, the rule is, is if she can't see me, she's too far. Right? So 
I, I was like, nope, we've got rule. And I didn't want to, I didn't want to do that. Like, that's not fun for me. There was one time I really wanted to give her, I don't remember if it was like a popsicle or something. Like she'd been so good all day and we had these popsicles or whatever that she really liked. And I really wanted to give her one. But yeah. for some reason, as I'm pulling it out, she like threw a fit about it. Like kind of like a give it to me, give it to me. I want it, I want it. And I don't know why, because I was giving it to her anyway. And I had to put it back in the freezer and close it and let her cry. And it sucked. I really wanted to give it to her. I felt horrible for weeks. Like to right now, I'm like, I'm so upset about it. So, but like, I did all of that because by the time she was like two and a half or three, whatever, I could take her anywhere and do anything. And she was a really great kid and I didn't have to worry about anything. I didn't have to put up with whining and I didn't, whatever. I had to be really militant for like two years, like total like army style, <laughs> like just rules, rules, rules. Um, and then, and then I was just able to lighten up because she just sort of got it. And then I didn't have to work as hard after that. Everything was just, she understood the rules and then that made that easy. But it, it takes what, 17 times to make a habit and one time to break it. So like get all that done early. Just be a jerk for a little while because <laughs> that's what you'll feel like. You'll feel like an absolute jerk for a little while. Like if you don't have time, if you've got the time to sit there, like I was a working single mom, I didn't have a whole lot of time or energy. And I was always trying to do stuff on the side to like make more money and, and whatever. And there was always a ton going on. And I was in like shitty relationship, you know, like it was a whole like nonsense. So I was always busy and I was always tired. And I was always kind of one behind, like behind the eight ball there, right? Like it was just <laughs> like, it was always like a mad rush, but, and it was extra, extra exhausting to be as conscious as I was parenting, but it like the payoff was too big to ignore, right? Like you have to do it. So by no stretch was I, like there were days I was lying there going, oh my God, I like cannot do this. <laughs> like it's just, Aww. this is all too much. Like this is, but every parent feels like that. Like that, that's just like, they don't tell you you're going to bring home this beautiful little bouncing baby that you're going to want to like punt through a plate glass window because they just won't stop crying. Like they don't tell you those hard, horrible aspects where you're just like, why don't I feel like I love this thing that loves me back? Cause there are days like that. There are days where you don't love anything about your life when you're trying to parent or anything about your kid. And people don't like to talk about that because they're really scared about the idea of, oh my God, I can't let anyone know that like today I'm just not loving my kid and I'm not like, you know, an Instagram Pinterest sort of mom right now, right? Like parents are too afraid to, to do that. And uh, it really messes them up because then they feel really alone in it. And it's not like, it's really hard to have a kid. Like it used to be the village raised the child you know, and the elders who were smarter and older and wiser raised the children and you just kind of had fun breeding them out, you know, and spending however much time you wanted with them while you did whatever else your life was doing. And now it's like we do them very secularly in these tiny little two person, if we're lucky units, if not one person unit with maybe a buddy or maybe a grandparent or something. And that's not the way we were kind of meant to do it because you don't get a break. It's very hard to be fully 100% responsible for another tiny human be very scary yeah so yeah, yeah it's definitely not about oh you're being a bad parent it's just is it being effective like I've really like I've really gotten over like feeling bad and blaming and guilting myself or other people it's just like is what you're doing effective are you liking it? Like if it doesn't feel good it's not in your best interest if it's not going well for you it's not a thing you should be doing like, if you don't like the relationship with your child, go change it. It's not impossible. It'll be hard. 
but nothing's impossible and you'll like it better when you get through all of the icky bits and whatever and you come out the other side you'll be like why didn't i do this sooner so when should they get started now today now. yesterday if they can go back in time never leave it it's your children it's the greatest joy of your life like today go right now go apologize to your kid particularly if they're teenagers like you lose track of kids when they're teens you lose track of them as soon as they because at about um you know all the way up to about eight years old they will just idolize you like you are their idea of god they want to please you like they're super happy to do that around eight they get their own real personality kind of thing this is when they start seeing the separateness of themselves and um that's when they realize you kind of pulled the wool over their eyes <laughs> and they start to fight back a little bit and become a little more independent, independently minded. Um, and they're not so quick to buy your nonsense and they're not so quick to, you know, so um, that's when it starts to get a little harder, but it's generally not till puberty because that's when you have sort of those, um, those big mood swings that can't be helped, right? Like there's nothing you can do about that. Um, and that's when they start. And then it's also when they start to feel awkward about themselves, about their bodies, about their friends, about their school. Like every kid feels like an alien at 13, right? Um, and that's a really important time to not disconnect. I would say that those are your make it or break it years of whether or not you will have your kid until they're in their 20s. Because most kids will, most people will even out in their 20s. So even if you had a bad relationship with them when they were younger, they kind of become real adults and then they understand and they become forgiving and you can get them back at that point, but you'll miss a whole lot of years that you could have really enjoyed your child or you lose them altogether at that point and they never come back. Um, so around the time of puberty, that is a real make it or break it. But I'm also noticing that I think because um, of the prevalence of social media and their ability to be in the outside world faster um, that that age is actually dropping to maybe as early as nine, but like 10, 11, 12 now, um, they're behaving more the way um, like preteen sort of, and you know, like pubescent. Yeah. yeah I, I hear a lot of people commenting about that. Yeah. That it just, if things are happening just kind of earlier. Yeah. So I feel like your window of opportunity <laughs> of having that little, you know, kid that just smiles at you all the time is now shrunk a little bit. Um, cause they're going to start wanting to know more and be more in that outside world and have those outside influences faster than they would have, um, if they were still, you know, kind of not having that as their influence. Um, so I would say definitely by about 10, you want to be, you know, I mean, the thing is you always want to be nurturing this aspect of your relationship from the time that they're little. Right. So, so it's, it's sort of under the assumption that you, so we can do two scenarios, one under the assumption that you've kind of done this journey and you've been really well on, you know, with them up till now. And then suddenly they're a different kid and you're like, who is this kid? So for me, I was lucky because Zay and I had a really, really great relationship. And so when puberty hit, we had about a three month Rocky span and that can last a lot longer. But the reason it didn't last longer is because she was also taking responsibility for herself. Um, and I was just making it really clear that she wasn't behaving this way because something was wrong with her or because she was bad and that I wasn't upset at her for it and that I understood and that this was just part of it and it sucks and come cry with me and it's fine and we'll cuddle, right? Like um, there was one time I tackled her in the kitchen. Um, <laughs> she didn't want to tell me what was wrong. And I was the kind of kid when I was younger, I wouldn't tell anyone what was wrong. And then that spiraled into severe clinical depression. So I was very, very careful um, that she needed to be open with me. Like she just had to, it didn't matter what it was. She had to be open with me. 
Um, and she's a Scorpio and they like to keep their secrets. So I, I knew I was going to have to try extra hard. So when she hit puberty, suddenly she went tell me stuff and she didn't want, and not because she was doing anything. She just, they have all these feelings they don't have words for. And that's a lot of it. Giving them the vocabulary, giving them the understand, like letting them know that you understanding, you understand it and giving them words to explain it. Cause a lot of times it's just feelings with no names. It's faceless fears and emotions run rampant and they don't really know. They just feel shitty right? Like they don't get it. They like, there could be lots of reasons. There could be no reasons. They just don't feel good. And they need to know that that's okay. That sometimes stuff is faceless and nameless and just sucks anyway. And it's okay. Like let's lie down and eat a bunch of ice cream and cry about it. And we don't need to know why we'll, we just know that in a couple of days we'll probably feel a little bit better <laughs> and you're not alone. So she wouldn't tell me what it was. So I tackled her in the kitchen. Um, not roughly. I just got all the way around her and she was half, half laughing at me and half really pissed off. She was right in the middle. And, um, and I, I hung on to her for a good long time and she was really fighting at me to get me out and I, she couldn't cause I was all the way around her. Uh, and then she did get out and, and she didn't tell me what was wrong, but then later she did. And the only reason for that whole ridiculous exercise and making an absolute ass of myself in front of my kid and having her think I'm a nut job was because she needed to know that I was there like to all the extent, like I will tackle you in the kitchen is how much I love you. Right and how much this matters, and how much it's important that you just tell me stuff. Um, and I'd always iterate, like, you know, you know you feel better when you say it. You know you feel better when you tell me. You know there's no consequence to telling me. You know that nothing ever goes wrong when you tell me. But that has to stand. If they come to you with things, and you get mad, and you get angry, and, and then, or you judge them, or you whatever, they will not come to you with things. And that's a dangerous ground to walk on, because their friends are worse than they are. And they will lead them down merry paths of, <laughs> of nonsense that you don't want your kid going down and then they're not going to tell you like you need to have your you kid won't know, know right and you, you won't, won't know. know and you'll be and if you find out it might be because you found them in a gutter somewhere like you like and i've always told like i don't care where you are i don't care what trouble you got into i don't care if you went to a party you didn't mean to go to. like i don't care if it's 3 a.m and you look around and go what the heck did i just do just call me i will come get you nothing will be said I'm sure you will have learned something and we just move on. Like, that's it. We can, we can have a little combo about it the next day to see how you got yourself there and how you can maybe like avoid it next time, you know, cause unforeseen things are going to happen. Different circumstances are going to happen. Little things will happen where you're just kind of like, well, this friend said, well, let's just go here. And then this one said, well, let's just go here. And I said for maybe just a minute, but then, you know, all hell broke loose and the cops showed up and the, <laughs> you know, like you just, Sometimes it's not really them. They just took baby steps that they weren't prepared to not take because you didn't prepare them in advance that stuff can happen, right? Because uh, you're so busy telling them just don't do it that you're like, well, what happens when they get in these like little incremental places where stuff just gets worse and worse and worse, right? Um, yeah. And so, and yeah. And so be all end all. You want to make sure that they'll call you and you can get them out of it because you don't want to find them in a gutter because they were afraid to call you because they would have been grounded right? Like that's yeah. not good enough. <laughs> yeah. That safe space that you talk about. That's, yeah. that sounds super important, you know, just yeah. that because yeah. it's easy to say, well, you should, you know, at this point, that's when you should have backed out. They don't need that right now. They need no. a safe spot. They need to be able to, you know, get the hell out of Dodge and just like, man, I need to go home now. And yeah. uh, I'm be able to call and let's just get this done. Other yeah. than being scared, as you said, just two minutes ago, yeah. oh, I don't want to call home because I'll get in trouble, you know? Yeah. And then that's when worse things happen. That's when they let someone who's drunk drive home so that they don't have to call you 
right? Like that's when, that's when nonsense happened. The other important thing that is really important for kids and especially for girls um, is, is not just teaching them about sex, but teaching them about how to get out of sex because, and giving them the scenarios in which they can fall into. This is super, 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 super important. These are conversations you absolutely have to have with your children and absolutely, absolutely no exception have with your daughters um, because it's just a little bit easier for them to fall into a place that they don't want to be in. This is interesting. Yeah. This because is I've never, ever heard this conversation. Well, not, not a conversation like that, but this, this concept of knowing how to get out of sex. Yeah. Because that they seems might like be a very important them. conversation to have with your daughter. You have no idea how many girls have sex they don't want to have because they got a little too far in and they didn't know how to get out. And because they've never had the conversation of it's okay to do that, like at any given point in time, you can call it. And it doesn't matter how much you like them. It doesn't matter what they'll say. It doesn't matter whatever. It's kind of like, you know, like I was saying about being generally prepared before. I'm generally prepared so that I always know. I'm generally prepared so I never have to be scared, right? And if you look at like sort of, um, you know, I think... Uh, my friend uh, was reading like this Navy SEAL book and it was like sort of like every disaster scenario in say like a city setting or something in different settings. And the whole point of the book was not to scare you and make you feel like whatever, but like, let's say, you know, the power plant blows up. What's your plan? How do you do it? Right. Somebody kidnaps you and you're in a van and you're tied up. How do you get out? Right. And it's not to like freak you out, but it's because when you have a plan, you are just a hundred percent more likely to follow through on the plan. Like you have a way out right? So you know what you're doing. So you have the steps to do it. So you're not in that moment overcome by fear, overcome by confusion, overcome by the not knowing of it, right? And for girls, no one teaches us that because nobody wants to talk about sex at all, much less sex we don't mean to have, right? And so you've got all of these girls who are A, sexualizing themselves earlier at an age where they're mentally uh, incapable of dealing with it, um, putting themselves out there because they think it's cool and then having to hook up with guys because they thought they wanted it and then they get there and they realize they don't, but now they can't say no because nobody told them they could. Nobody taught them how. Nobody taught them the steps to getting out the door, what to say, how to handle objections, you know, like, or, or do any of that. Right. And we do it for like, you know, you do it for sales calls, right? You know, if they say this, then you say this, right? If they yep. object this way, this is what you say to that, right? And if you just prepare them for these things, you know, like, because the thing is, and I always said this for my daughter, I said, I don't care about you having sex. I care about you having safe sex. And I care about you having sex that you actually want to have. Because there's nothing more traumatic or devastating than a girl having sex she doesn't want to actually have. And the way it affects her 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 self-esteem, her mindset, um, the, the way it can, it can create a habit of having sex that she doesn't want to have, right? It can create a, a feeling of dirtiness, unworthiness, um, feeling like you just should because you already did. You know, like, um, I remember I was talking to my niece and I think she was really amazed that I said this to her, but she was in high school and I was like, listen, really enjoy your guy friends now. You know, I said, because once sex is on the table, it never comes off the table. So your friends when you're like 15, 16, 17 are so different than when you're in your 20s, your 30s, whatever, because it's always on the table. It's always something that could happen. 
And so your relationships become different after that. When you're a bit younger and all your buddies are just your buddies and sex isn't really on the table because just a few people are kind of having it maybe, that's a completely different relationship style. So when kids leave that and then suddenly it's on the table and they don't know what to do with it, you know, then they can just make themselves way too available to stuff they don't really want, but it affects them mentally and emotionally in a way that they can't handle. And then they'll go and do a bunch of stuff that they don't really want to do. And it causes a lot, a lot of issues, a lot of psychological, emotional issues that they will carry through as really, um, as um, just pathologies into their future relationships. They'll end up having a lot of relationships that are just based around sex and not emotion. Cause it's, it's like, it's an endless list of nonsense and it, it could all be like nipped in the bud. If you just sort of had these conversations about having, um, a, a, a self-respect enough to say no when you feel like saying no and it's not just that normal you know no means no conversation because we've all been in sexual situations we all know that it's not black and white that there's a million different nuanced places in between and and it's very dangerous like back in the day you used to get married and then you could have sex and some people would have it outside of it but for the most part that was the transaction a guy would come in and marry you and then we had the advent of birth control and that actually did not do a lot for women they think of it as their sexual freedom but all it did was make sex entirely ambiguous and the exchange and negotiation of sex entirely ambiguous and valueless because everyone could do it anyone could do it and yay power to women but actually no now we don't get respected now people just want us for sex and now we complain about those things Right. So you have to protect your daughters specifically, like especially. Um, but these are conversations you should be having with boys, too, because you don't want them to be having sex with a girl who doesn't mean to be having sex, but doesn't know how to say no. So it, it's, it's a little bit of a different conversation with them that they're just always sort of making sure that it's OK, because guys will be like. And, and the other big problem is once you get to teenagehood, now you've added drinking. Now you've added a complete watch of inhibitions and ability to make choices. And, and then you want to go and, and charge these poor little kids with rape and like all this stuff. When everyone was just behaving badly, everyone was making poor decisions. Every, you know, like everybody, it was just an absolute circus, right? And all we've done is this whole disservice. To, and really at the end of the day, it's us not preparing them. It was us not getting them to know what their drinking limit was, <laughs> how to say no, how to say yes, right? How to say yes and then no, because you've changed your mind, right? Like sometimes you don't know. Sometimes you don't know till you're like right there and then you're like, oh my God, I actually don't want to do this. But now I'm already here and now I don't know how to say no. And what's going to happen next is going to mentally affect me for the rest of my life and not in a positive way. So these are conversations that we should be having with our children. And we're just not like, I don't know anyone who's having this conversation with their children. I've like, never even don't heard think of this before. This is, this yeah. is absolutely profound to me. They don't think about it at all. I was like, you have to know how to get yourself out because you, you don't mean to get yourself in it. Right. It's just hormones and happiness and everything's okay until it isn't. Everything's okay until it isn't. And I, and the reason I know is because I have had lots of sex that I didn't want to have. I just got to that place. And then I was like, well, I can't really, cause I was so timid and not sure of myself. I didn't respect myself. I didn't, you know, I didn't have any of that wherewithal or that, you know, confidence to be like, okay, well I changed my mind. I didn't, I literally didn't know how to say those words. 
I once met a woman who married a guy because she didn't know she could say no if a man asked you to marry them. Oh my. Yeah, which is an extreme of, of extreme example, but I didn't, I, I wouldn't have believed people like that. <laughs> you know, like that's, that seems like a lot, but knowledge is power. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. When you're using that as an example, knowledge is power. Like kids need to know because they need, they need to be making good choices. And, and they can't. Well, yeah, ultimately, the, these choices, you know, especially the, the way that you're describing it really have a profound effect and a very meaningful effect on what you just said, the rest of their lives. It's going to yeah. affect their self-esteem. It's going to affect their confidence, which will in turn affect their decisions. Themselves. Oh my goodness. Uh, how hard they play, you know, how hard they try. All these yeah. things are at stake. And, and you have to remember too, like I'm far more celibate nowadays for one simple reason. Um, sex is an extremely energetic connecting experience. Like you are wrapping your chakras into someone else's chakras. Right. And the, and that can stay there. So like, I'm actually at this stage of the game, I'm more worried about STDs, but the spiritually transmitted diseases I'm worried about because other people's garbage get all wrapped up in your garbage and you can be connected with them forever until you figure it out and kind of cut that off energetically. And that's a whole process. Like you need to be really, all people need to be really careful about who they're with because if you are and it will affect every facet of your life so if you go out right now kenny and you date a woman who uh, has like a bad let's say she's really hot and you really like the idea of sleeping with her but she's kind of negative nothing really goes right for her you know like she she just can't really seem to get herself together but man she sure is hot right when you wrap up your chakras with her, she will drain out your good energy and replace it with her crappy one. And now you've actually affected your ability to manifest abundance in your life because you went and had sex with somebody who just wasn't abundantly minded. And you, you and that's all it took. You didn't have to hang out with her. You didn't have to sit there and listen to her nonsense. You just energetically synced up with her, wrapped your chakras all up together, wrapped all your energy up together, and then walked away. Like sex is a big deal. And we don't treat it like it's a big deal. And because we, you know, for, you know, like it, it's, it seems fun for everybody to be so sexually free. And believe me, I'm not against sex in any way, shape or form. But when you, when you look at it from a spiritual standpoint, it's a big deal. And that's why it's sacred. That's why it's a big thing. And so we need to teach our kids that it is a big thing. It's not just something you do. It's not just something you do because it's fun. It has repercussions. Right. And it has a lot of mental, emotional, spiritual, energetic repercussions to sex. So I would I would tell everyone to be very careful. You should really only be having sex with people you really want to be having sex with and have them be good people who vibe your vibe. Right. Like it because it matters, you know, like they're going out with all these, you know, your daughter goes out with a bunch of people who are drinking and they're 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 into nonsense and drugs and they don't care about this and they don't care about that. And then she gets sucked into that energy you lose your kid. They're too vulnerable, right? They're too vulnerable to fight back. Like you could walk away from that relationship and go, oh, this is, you know, this all of a sudden, you know, my, my numbers are down. I have less clients. I'm not making as much as I used to, you know, maybe I should go, I don't know, like I just got to get myself picked back up and then you could do that. But kids, if they're mired in that, they're not going to be able to get out. And that's why they sink into these holes. And then they have more sex to try to fill the hole of, you know, of, of that, to catch that feeling again, you know, because they can't feel good otherwise, because now they're dragged into the mud, you know, like it has a lot of domino effect to it. And, and it's, it goes, it runs deep to literally like the core of your being. It's not even just 
you know, you're physically 3D having sex. Who cares about that? Whatever. But it affects you mentally, emotionally, spiritually, energetically. It's a big deal. And you have to teach your kids it's a big deal so that they treat it as sacred. Like people don't have to be running around having sex with whoever. We just decided that that was cool and kitchen fun and girls should do it too or whatever. Like who cares? <laughs> this is not about equality. Like have respect for yourself and, and your energetic space. It's, uh, it's really, really, really important because you don't, you don't know what you pick up. You pick up other people's stuff. It's not fun. It's really, really not fun. Drags you down. So we should be having these conversations with our kids and we should be walking our talk too. Wow. I just, you know, this, this direction that this conversation took. Yeah. If you told me we were been talking about sex earlier today, I wouldn't. <laughs> well, I, I would not have thought that either, but uh, I wonder why this came up. You know, I wonder why this took this direction. Yeah, this is, this is fascinating. And it's, it's actually, as I said before, it's very profound to me. This there's, there's that talk that I always thought, you know, was, you know, this is not the birds and the bees talk. This is a different type of talk no. that is extremely important, both for um, boys and girls. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and it's important because it has long lasting effects. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It'll and change. The, the if you is, think back, like if you think back to your own experiences, how much stuff like that shaped you, if you, if you were really honest with yourself and you, and you just look back and reflect on your own life and kind of look at the paths that were kind of taken or, you know, or just literally sex you had that you're like, why did I even like, what was I really getting out of that? Wow. That's really sinking into me. That's that's just really. I'm we just we got to, yeah we we just we got to this place where it was like and it was just this evolution. It was was just this sort of sexual revolution of everyone can be free and everyone can be and it's it's just it's not about that. Like obviously you have sex with the people you want to have sex with, but we turned it into we'll just have sex with anyone. We we literally do pizza delivery sex. Like what is Tinder and Grinder and all that nonsense. You're literally meeting strangers and having sex with them for what, how, what good does that actually do you? Like, how does that help you? (laughs) What is like, I get sex is fun, but so are drugs. And a lot of people having sex aren't doing that. Like there's lots of things that are fun that we don't do, you know, like it's just because it's not good for you and it's not good for you to have indiscriminate sex does nothing for you. It keeps you back. It's actually worse for you. It's actually just not good for you. Um, but I don't know. We've, we've bred a culture of pizza delivery sex. So there you go. Now we've got all these kids super confused and they don't know what's what. And Well, the way things are going. Um, Now's a good time to have that talk. You got all the time in the world. Yeah. Your children are literally trapped with you. Lock them in a room and have a terrible, awkward sex talk <laughs> that will maybe save their futures. It really could. That is just, yeah, have the talk. Yeah. Have the talk. Mm-hmm. And so much, like a lot of sexual energy is like sacral energy and a lot of like your self-worth and everything comes from there, you know? Like it's a lot of your sense of self 
and, and it's just important to to really and, and it just it goes hand in hand like all, none of these things are done in a vacuum like the sense of respect has to do with you're teaching them you're respecting them so that they expect to be respected so that they can learn to, to respect themselves. And they do that by watching you respect yourself, right. And respect them. And then that moves into like the wider family group and then the wider friend group. And then, you know, it goes, then they go off into their lives where they're dealing with other people that you don't see them dealing with all the time because it's at school and it's friends and it's, and you know, all of that, and you, you want to raise that up. And then the respect has to do with there's enough respect for them to do their homework, do get their work done, do the things that they enjoy, um, learn that sometimes they have to do things that they don't enjoy. And they just need to find as much satisfaction out of that as they can. And then as they move into like sexual encounters that they have to respect themselves there, right? Like just every step along the way is a new learning of self-respect and self-worth and all of that. Because if you carry it through, then you bulletproof your kid. Because, as, and it's not even that you sheltered them, it's that you've given them all the tools to deal with the world. My kid is not sheltered, right? Like, it's not like, she doesn't do a lot of stuff because she doesn't choose to, that wouldn't be any good for her, but she didn't grow up sheltered. She understands why she does these things. She's had lots of really hard things happen to her. Her mom made a lot of bad decisions. She had to go through a lot, <laughs> you know? So, you know, but she's pretty bulletproof, like pretty much, you know, anything can happen to her. She'll be the appropriate amount of upset. She'll deal with it. She understands impermanence. She understands um, loss. She understands these things, right? And she understands her self-worth. She understands what she, if you don't have worth, if you don't have a sense of self-worth, you have nothing to lose, and that's a scary position to have your kid in. Like she understand when she values herself, that gives her a lot to lose. So she's not going to lose it over some idiot. She's not going to lose it over stupid friends. She's not going to lose it by letting some idiot drive her home drunk because she doesn't want to call mom, right? Like she's not going to lose her life that's worth a lot to her by doing stupid stuff. That just so brings us all the way back to you know, the, uh, what was that? Self-love when that was our previous episode, you know, it's just, yeah. again, it's the bowl you put everything in. Like you have to prepare your kids to do this because you don't want, because what happens is, is we don't teach kids any of this. And then we wait, then we're all in our twenties and thirties and forties going to therapy because we never learned to love ourselves. And that's the core of it. It always comes down to the core of self-worth, your ability to believe you're worthy. Cause when you don't have that, you have nothing. You can have all the trappings of all the other things. You can have all the sex in the world, all the money in the world, all the material things in the world, all the friends in the world, all the whatever, and you're still going to feel like crap. Mm -hmm. So it's the bowl you put everything in. It's not, it's not the cherry on top. So if you want your children to have that self-love, it is important to have that talk. Well, mm -hmm. not just the talk, but and everything else that goes with it. Yeah. Well, first and foremost, it's important to have it for yourself. Because again, they're watching, they're not listening. Yeah. So if they watch you not love yourself because they're watching you run yourself into the ground, working a million hours a week, they're watching you eat badly, they're watching you be bad tempered because you know, you're just running off coffee and willpower and whatever, like they're not, you know, they're, they're not gonna buy the story. You gotta live it. Like if they're watching you be disrespectful to yourself and to them, they're not, they're not going to buy the story. So you can have any talk with them you want, but if you're not going to walk your walk, it's not going to matter. Absolutely. Yeah. It's always self journey first. Take care of yourself and you're two thirds done raising your kid. Cause they'll Isn't just follow. The truth, though? Isn't that the truth when you just think about it? Because, because they are watching, you know, and, and that's this, 
you know, the, the ultimate teacher is the example. You know, you're setting yeah. that example. Well, and I think, again, it was Dr. Nice Phil. Stuff. I used to watch Dr. Phil in, like, early days when he was on Oprah. Um, before he was mostly about fat shaming. <laughs> but yeah, when he, I, I actually don't. I, I know who he is, but I've never... I, I, I don't think I would enjoy watching him now. But back in his early days, he was really good. Um, but he was, uh, he used to say, if, um, you need to take care of yourself, you need to take care of your relationship. And if you do that, parenting is two thirds done. Um, and a relationship would be anything. You can be a single parent. It doesn't matter. Just the relationships around you. So that they see, they, they see you interacting with other people and how that goes. Right. That's like, pretty fascinating that yeah. take care of yourself, take care of your relationships. You're two thirds done. It mm -hmm. makes a lot of sense. At first it just seems kind of hokey, but if you really think about it, it makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. And now uh, we need that right now. You got to take care of yourself right now. Right now, if there's a time that the universe needs you to take care of yourself, it is now. Yeah, it's definitely about self-care. It's definitely, definitely about self-care. Well, I think that wraps it up. Yeah. Yeah, so... That is it for this particular episode. If you uh, have that any questions, <laughs> say again. That took an interesting spin. Thanks for hanging in there with us. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, this took uh, this went into some direction that I was not expecting. We would love to hear your yeah. comments about especially this particular episode. So I would just um, use my Twitter until we, because we don't have a name yet. Until we get a name, use my Twitter. It's Kenny Santos. And then use the hashtag AskJK for Jacqueline and Kenny. We didn't even introduce ourselves at the beginning of this episode, but we'll see. Oh, we did. you got to know us already. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. That's kind of funny. Yeah. All right. Well, I know you. You know me. It all worked out. <laughs> Absolutely. You've been listening to your universe reset unlocking your life during the lockdown music provided by purple planet music